Take God's Word, would you, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We're going to go there in a moment. While you turn there to 1 John chapter 3, I'll just share something with you that I read this week. Someone once wrote a very, very wisely, I think. Don't know who wrote this. The author wasn't given credit in where I read this, but very challenging and uh, important, I think. It has to do with marriage, but it, it serves well as an illustration to where we're going today in First John. Someone once wrote very wisely about a marriage license being a learner's permit. And those of you who have been married for more than just a few years will nod your head. Yes, marriage license is a learner's permit because when you get married, you're not done learning. You just started learning. And this individual wrote about this being a learner's permit where you learn to love. And he wrote, I think, with some humor when he said, it's a wise groom who is who has to be dragged to the altar. He knows, he knows what love is, and with some seriousness, he says, it's, it's death. He knows what love is, it's death. If lovers don't know this, they are headed for trouble. And here's what he means, never will you have your own way again. You can't be happy if this other person isn't. And we chuckle, you know, when we think about not having your own way again, but it's really true. You can't be happy if this other person isn't. No matter who wins the argument, you lose. (laughs) And how true that is of me anyway. Always, always you lose. The sooner you learn this, the better off you will be. Love is an exercise in frustration. You leave the window up when you want it down. You watch someone else's favorite TV program. You kiss when you have a headache. You turn the music down when you like it loud. You learn to be patient without sighing or sulking. Love is doing things for the other person. In marriage, two become one, but the one isn't you. It's the other person. You love this person more than you love yourself. This person, this, this means that you love this person as she or he is. Acceptance. We ask ourselves, frankly, what that impulse is that makes us want to redesign a person. It isn't love. We want the other person to be normal like us. <laughs> but is that loving the other person or ourselves? Love brings out the best in people. They they can be themselves without artificiality. People who know they are loved glow with beauty and charm. Let this person talk. Create the assurance that, that any idea, any suggestion, any feeling can be expressed and will be respected. Allow the other person to star once in a while. A wife's joke doesn't have to be topped. Don't interpret your husband in the middle of his story or interrupt your husband in the middle of the story. Sorry, you should have interrupted me there. Uh, married life is full of crazy mirrors to see ourselves, how stubborn, how immature we really are. You may be waiting for your wife to finish because you never lift a finger to help her. Love is funny. It, it, its growth doesn't depend on what someone does for you. It's in direct proportion to what you do for him or her. That's a, I think those are some powerful truths about love in marriage and as a married couple 
comes together to live as one, that's what learning love is all about. It's what learning to love is all about, that give and take. Now, we've been seeing some uh, one major overriding theme throughout our study here in 1 John. And that overriding theme is that of this identifying characteristics, these identifying characteristics of true believers. And the identifying marks of a true follower of Christ, we've been noting especially lately a couple of things that will point to whether or not you are a true follower of Christ or not, whether you have ever really trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And at the end of our study last time, we saw the theme of love introduced there. I want you to go with me for a moment. Go with me, First John chapter 3 and verse 10, and think about what we saw there last time. Now, what we were introduced to was not that of the love that must grow in marriage, although this kind of love should be found in marriage. We weren't introduced to the love in marriage necessarily, like I spoke of as we read that illustration earlier. But we do learn of the love that should grow in the life of a true follower of Christ. What we're learning of in 1 John chapter 3 is the kind of love that ought to show up in the life of a true believer, a true follower of Christ. And what we saw last time were the two tests that reveal the true follower of Christ. The test number one we noted last time was the test of righteousness. The test of righteousness. If you look at verse 10, you'll see the test of righteousness there. You'll also see the test of brotherly love there. That's the second test. These should be the obvious fruits that grow in the life of a believer. Righteousness and love. The two tests of whether you're really a follower of Jesus Christ or not will be these. Whether or not you are practicing righteousness and whether or not you love your brother and sister in Christ. And no matter what one claims to be, we need to remember this, no matter what we claim to be, the truth is revealed by our practice of righteousness and the love that we have or the lack of love that we have for our brothers and sisters in Christ. The truth will be revealed by those two tests. Now the test of righteousness we saw in detail in our previous studies when We noted especially that the one who is a believer does not make, as verse 9 says, if you look at verse 9 in 1 John chapter 3, does not make a practice of sinning, right? Why? Because God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now, I noted it last time. This is not to suggest that that Christians are sinless. All believers together today know this to be true, right? Believers, those who are followers of Christ are not sinless. We're not suggesting that, and and John does not suggest that. But what John is saying is that the one who has trusted Christ will not continually and habitually and unrepentantly make a practice of sinning. A true believer gets convicted by their sin. When they sin, God's Holy Spirit places conviction in their life, and they want to repent and get right with Jesus and be and, and restore that special fellowship and relationship with Jesus Christ as quickly as possible. Now, sometimes we don't do that quickly, do we? But that doesn't mean that you aren't a follower of Christ. But what you do need to be aware of is that if you unrepentantly and habitually 
and consistently practice sin with no confession, with no repentance, with no turning away, you'd better ask yourself whether you really trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. Because what God's Word says is the person who has the Holy Spirit, who has God poured into their life, won't keep doing those things. doesn't mean they're sinless, but it means they won't pursue those things and they won't continually practice them unrepentantly. And then briefly, we touched on the test of brotherly love last time. Really, we just got introduced to this idea in our last study. At the end of our study last time, a true follower of Christ will love his brother and his sister in Christ. And as we move into the verses that come next, as we move into the verses that follow verse 11, we're going to look at verse 11 today. As we move move past those, we see these defining characteristics of what love is and what love isn't. As we move into these verses that come next, we see the details of the test of brotherly love. Now let's go back. I, I sent you to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10, and I want you to go there and look at it with me again just to refresh our memory to bring us back to where we were last time. By this, verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. You see Paul saying, look, here's the test. Two tests. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now keep going. Verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And we've been talking about testing and examining ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. If you've been with us in the evening services last a few Sundays we've been talking about taking a spiritual health checkup so that you'll know how you're doing spiritually and how to do that with God's Word. And we've been talking about testing ourselves. It's a good and healthy thing for a follower of Christ to test themselves and say, what does God's Word say about my life and whether I'm obeying in God's Word? And am I growing in Christ's likeness? Am I repenting of sin quickly and turning from that sin and turning to Christ again and again, trusting Him to help me through that sin, to conquer that sin. Not that we need to be saved again and again. We're saved once and for all. Jesus Christ saves us and keeps us. But when we sin, we need to confess that sin and repair that broken relationship between ourselves and God. So we've been talking about testing and examining ourselves as to whether we're in the faith. And the test of brotherly love is a very clear standard by which we can judge ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. I want you to stop and think about that today. That test of brotherly love is a very helpful tool for us to challenge ourselves as to whether we're in the faith and as to whether we're living Christ-like lives. Verse 11, John points to the love that believers should have for one another. And this isn't the first time that John has touched on the necessity of brotherly love in this letter. If you're familiar with 1 John, you've been following along with our studies, you're going to know this isn't the first time he's mentioned this. Go back with me to 1 John chapter 2 and verses 9 through 11. Look at those. John says, 1 John chapter 2 verse 9, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. And then verse 11, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Get this today. Understand this. Love is inseparable from the life of the true follower of Christ. 
Love is inseparable from the life of the true believer. I noted it last time that the one who has repented of sin, the one who has trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, has Christ. Has Christ in them, living in them. You ought to know this, that what comes with Christ are the fruits of the Spirit. You know the love fruit, right? The joy fruit, the peace fruit. Those fruits of the Spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit brings to us and gives them to us for us to live them out. And so we're given this fruit of love. We're given this Christ-like love. And it is ours to live out if we are Christ's. And Paul reminds us in Romans 5.5 5, that love is a gift of the Spirit put into the heart of the believer. I love Romans 5.5 5 as a reminder for us of the, of the great the great love of God to pour into us His love. Listen to Romans 5.5. 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, sometimes I think we, we don't help ourselves when we say, I just don't think I can love that person like I'm supposed to. You hear that statement? And we, and we think this sometimes, and if we haven't said it, I just don't think I can love them like God's Word tells me to. I don't think I can love them that way. And I would say, wait a minute. Yes, you can. Because God's Word says you can. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, hope does not put us to shame, Romans 5.5, 5, because God's love has been poured into our lives, into our souls. And into our hearts, right? How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love comes by way of the Holy Spirit and you and I are supposed to live it out. And so we ought never think we can't love like God's Word tells us to. We should never think that we can't love. We might better rephrase it, I won't love the way God tells me to. Which is not a good thing to say either. You know, because God wants us to come together and humble ourselves under His Word. And when He says love, we say yes, sir. <laughs> I like I like that. You know, when my kids say yes, sir, we taught our children to say that at a young age. I learned that. I learned that. Um, it's strange where I learned it. You'd think I learned. Oh yeah, you were in the Marines, so you learned how to say yes, sir. I did, but I learned it in another place. When I was in the South in the Marines, I saw families with little children, and they taught their little children to say yes, ma'am, yes, sir. That was a sign of respect. You know, children's attitudes may not always be the right attitudes, right? But it's helpful to teach them those those little things to help help get them in the right frame of mind. They ought to be saying yes, sir, and yes, yes, ma'am. In our family, anyway, I'm not suggesting this for your family, so that they understand that they need to be in the right frame of mind, a, a frame of mind of respect for those who are in authority over them. Far be it from us to look at God's word and say, "I can't do that," or "I won't do that." You have to say, yes, sir. <laughs> I'm going to humble myself under God's Word. I'm going to put myself in the right frame of mind to obey what God's Word is saying here, especially as we come to passages like Romans 5.5 5, that do so much to encourage us and teach us about how we get love. We get love from the Holy Spirit. It is this precious gift from God. And we had better say, yes, sir, and live it out. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.9, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. He says, I don't really need to teach you about this. Why? 
For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. How do we get taught by God to love one another? It's Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit nudges us in the right direction when we, when we humble ourselves before Him. His Word also teaches us, and the two in combination, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and puts it to work in our lives so that we learn to love as we should. Similarly, John says later in 1 John chapter 4, obviously we're not there yet because we're in chapter 3, but in chapter 4 of 1 John verses 7 and 8, indicating that the believer has as a part of a new nature, the nature to love one another, John says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. You get it? Love is from God. He is the source of our love for one another. He is the root of our love for one another. And if there's root, you know, as they say, if there's no root, there's no shoot, right? And we have the root. We have the root of love. And there ought to be the shoot of love in our lives. As he says in verse 7, chapter 4, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Yes, we can love as God commands us to and instructs us to, and then demonstrates how love works, demonstrates what love is through Jesus Christ. And love is part of the believer's new nature. As a follower of Christ, you get a new nature, and you get love as part of that. And love toward other believers will be the normal practice of a true Christian. Now that is not to say that there won't be times when we don't love as we should. We know that too, don't we? We don't always love as we should. There will be times when we sin. I was going to say fail, but, you know, sin, right? There are going to be times when we sin and we don't love as we should. Someone once wrote, what is love? It is silence when your words would hurt. It is patience when your neighbors curt. It is deafness when scandal flows. And I read that this week. And, you know, I know, like you know, that we aren't always silent when our words would hurt, are we? And we aren't always patient when our neighbor is curt, are we? And we aren't always deaf when scandal begins to flow, are we? And we need to examine our hearts and minds in light of what God's Word says and let it challenge us to love like God commands us to and like God demonstrates in His Word and love through the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us the ability to love like Christ. You see, there are times when as believers we do not love as we should, but the overriding practice of the real believer in Christ, the true follower of Christ, ought to be one of love. Loving your fellow believers. And note with me too that John points to the danger of being misled in what we believe because we could be misled in this if we aren't cautious. The danger for believers then, and it's it's a danger for believers now, The danger for believers then and now is that we allow ourselves to be led to believe that it's possible to be a genuine follower of Christ and yet not truly love our brother and sister in Christ. It's possible to think that, say, well, it's okay if I don't love them. I'm I'm still a follower. I believe in God's Word. I'm, I'm a child of God, but I just don't love them because I remember things they've said. I remember things they've done. I remember things that they've been involved in in the past. I'm not going to forget those things, and I just can't love them that way. How destructive 
for our own souls and our own spiritual health to live like that, isn't it? John says here in verse 11, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. There's no ifs, ands, or buts there. Are there, you know what? I'm thinking, John says, I'm just thinking it might be a good idea if, you know, you kind of go back to the beginning and think about how we ought to, just maybe, here's an idea. Maybe we ought to love each other. But don't take that as, you know, a hard and fast or anything. He doesn't say that, does he? Very clearly, and again and again in God's Word, very clearly, love one another. Not if, they, right? Love one another if, that doesn't happen, does it? Love one another. What does John remind them of what they'd heard from the beginning? To love one another. Now, why does John remind them of that in particular? Well, because, once again, we need to be reminded of that in particular. But once again, John is confronting false teaching that had crept into their midst. And if we're not careful, false teaching can creep into our lives too as we listen to the, to the, to the world and often to a secular church that's, that's done away with God's Word and obeying God's Word. We need to be very cautious about listening to those who don't treat God's Word with great respect and teach the truth of God's Word because they can take the Word and twist it and make it say something that it doesn't. And that was happening there. There were those who'd come along and proclaim that they were united with God. They would say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm one of God's children. And they would boast of their wisdom. Oh yeah, I know a lot. And yet they wouldn't love believers. They weren't loving believers. And there were those who had come along and proclaimed that they had some new truth, some new teaching. I'll, I'll tell you that there is no new truth. Okay? There is no new teaching. If it's not in God's Word, don't believe it. And they were doing that. There were those that would come along and say, hey, here's a, here's a new understanding. Here's a new teaching. And that's why John continually points back to the authority of the apostles and the unchanging truth that they proclaimed. I want you to show you how he, how he does this again and again. First, first John 1 John 1.1, that which was from the beginning. Hello, he says, go back to the beginning and learn the things from the beginning. Here's, here are the things from the beginning that we're going to show you that we have heard and we have seen with our eyes. And, it, and he says, we have touched. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you from the beginning. Chapter 2, verse 24, Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. John says, go back to the beginning. Go back to what you learned at the first. There are no new truths. There weren't then and there aren't now. Be wary of those who claim some new truth or some new perspective. New doctrines have come and gone, and new doctrines will continue to come and go. But God's children are to keep hold of the truth that has been known from the beginning, and they're to cling to the truth of Scripture. Truth does not change. And truth regarding Christian conduct does not change and will not change. The truth regarding Christian conduct is very clear in God's Word. I want you to listen to the Gospel of John, John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. Who's, who's speaking there? Do you know? Jesus, right? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Later in John 15, verse 12, this is my suggestion. Oh, a commandment, right? Commandment. you got to pay attention around here. 
This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17. These things I suggest. No. These things I command so that you will love one another. These are my commands to you, says Jesus, that you will love one another. Believers had been given the truth from the beginning. I could go on and on and take take this love topic and flush it out into so many other passages here in the New Testament that point back to what they had the opportunity to learn from the beginning. And those of the apostles' teaching and those of Jesus' teaching. But along come false teachers, and John warns the church to guard against being deceived. Do not be deceived. He said it back in chapter 2, verse 26. 1 John chapter 2, verse 26, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. And if you think there aren't people trying to deceive you today, you're mistaken. There are. Today, we still need to be on guard, to guard the truth in our own hearts and minds, to know the Scriptures. Because as John wrote then, this applies to us today, so that we would not be deceived. Know the Word. He said it in chapter 3, verse 7, Little children, do not be deceived. Let no one deceive you. So believers then could go back to the teaching of the apostles. So what uh, to hear what they had heard, to hear what they had heard at first, to read what they had read at first, to, to, to listen to the teaching that they had listened to at first, to go back to those things that the apostles had taught, to what they had been taught from the beginning. And we too, and we're very privileged to go, to go back to the beginning things, the earliest things, the scriptures, the scriptures that God has given to us. The apostles' teaching in the New Testament. Jesus' teaching in the New Testament. Really, Jesus' Jesus' teaching in the New Testament corresponds with the Word of God, the whole and the totality of Scripture from beginning to end about how we are to love. And at the heart of that teaching was that followers of Christ, true believers, love one another. Those who claim the name of Christ, those who name the name of Christ, and those who say, I'm a child of God, will, will show it by the fact that they love each other. And we can go back to the Word, and we can go back to see too that from the very beginning, followers of Jesus Christ are taught to love, they're commanded to love, and they're given the nature of Christ so that they can love. Inseparable from being a follower of Christ is loving your brother and sister in Christ. The two cannot be separated. And we may struggle at times to love one another as we should, but believers have a learner's permit to love. Okay? And we're to learn to love one another. We have the Holy Spirit who pours God's love into our lives so that we can learn how to, to pour it back out all over other people and to love like Christ has loved us. So we have this learner's permit as believers in Jesus Christ to love like Christ. And the one who is a follower of Christ will love their brother and sister in Christ. The one who is a follower of Christ will forgive and move on. I'm not suggesting that you can forget wrongs done to you, but you will forgive because God forgives you. And God loves you. And God has given you the spirit of love to live out in obedience to Him. And as verse 9 indicated, God's seed abides in the believer. And the believer has been born of God. And with that new birth comes the nature of God's love living in and through the believer. And for that, we can thank God because if it was in and of ourselves to learn to love, we would not. God has given us the capacity to love like Christ. 
And the Holy Spirit has poured into our hearts the capacity for love. So, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. Love one another. Let God's Word teach you how to love like Christ. Let God's Holy Spirit instruct you and help you and even admonish you and correct you and encourage you in how you ought to love like Christ. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Bow your heads with me in prayer, would you? Father in heaven, we do come together this morning, and we have come together for a special time, examining your word and allowing your Holy Spirit to teach us and instruct us. And I pray that that would be very true of each of us, that we would yield to you and yield to the Holy Spirit and yield to your word as you desire to teach us these heavenly truths that you want us to live on earth as long as you tarry. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to truly learn to love as Christ has loved us. Help it to be an overriding characteristic in our lives that we love the brothers and sisters in Christ, that we love one another. May it be true of those who follow Christ that it is obvious and apparent that we love. Father, we know that you want to use our lives and the way that we live to speak volumes about the love of Christ. And so so we pray that that would be true of us. As we leave here this morning, as we leave here today, and we go into the week ahead, as we go to the workplace, or into the school, or we go into the home life, or in our neighborhoods, we're going to do business with people, that we would learn that you want us to love. And that love had better begin with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, correct us when our thinking is wrong. Correct us and admonish us and even convict us when our, when our hearts sin and turn against your word in this area. Lord, help us to yield before you. Help us to be ready and quick to respond in love to others. Help us to be ready and quick to forgive when necessary. And Lord, help us to love like Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand together in closing this morning. I want to sing a chorus together. The chorus, Lord, be glorified. Oh, I hope that's your desire. I want that always to be the desire of my heart, that I would want God to be glorified in my life. I want it to be true of you. I want it to be true of us as a church, that we would sing this from the bottom of our hearts. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. And then we'll sing the chorus. In your church, Lord. Let's sing it together. church, Lord, very thoughtfully and prayerfully. Let's slow down and sing from the bottom of our hearts today. In your church, Lord, be glorified, be glorified.
a special privilege it's been to be able to be together this morning, to come together and to worship uh, in unison together. As we just lifted our voices in song, I pray that that in unison identifies the attitude of our hearts, that we would want to glorify God with our lives. Because if we do want to do that, we will love one another, won't we? We will with the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. Let's bow our heads together this morning, and I want to encourage you one more time. Please stay. If you didn't plan to stay with us for our dinner, we would want you to stay and enjoy a meal with us today. We want you to know you're invited. If you can't stay, please come back at 2 o'clock for the concert. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, and you'll be blessed and encouraged. Let's bow our heads together. I want to ask Dave Angus to close us with a word of prayer this morning. Dave? Amen. God bless you.